This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, how many come here tonight get filled up with doubt and unbelief? Well, good. You're the right group then, man. We're going to fill you up with faith tonight. We're going to change your lives. Uh, you know, if you want to get filled up with doubt and unbelief, go to that church with the graveyard beside it. <laughs> oh boy, praise the Lord. Back where we came from in Indiana, a lot of, a lot of the old churches had graveyards beside them. That was kind of the joke there. If you want to go to a dead church, go over there. But, uh, we're not dead, we're alive. Power of God's here. Life changing things are here. And that's what we want for tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about what, what is God's will for healing sick people. And a lot of people don't really understand. That's why they have a hard time receiving. They, they love the Lord, but they don't know where He stands concerning healing them or their babies or their loved ones. I want to show you a couple of things out of the bookstore before we get into that. Here's a good book by Brother Hagin called Must Christians Suffer? Must Christians Suffer? And, uh, Pastor Dave kind of hit on that this morning, uh, when he talked about the storms of life. Jesus suffered persecution. He suffered rejection. He suffered people turning on him and, and different things all the time. But, uh, but Jesus never suffered sickness. He went to the cross. He took stripes on his back for our sickness. Amen. Paul suffered a lot of persecution, rejection. People turning on him all the time everywhere he went. But Paul never suffered sickness. And, you know, if you've been religiously brainwashed and New Testament taught, you don't understand a lot of those things. I know that when I, when I got born again, I come from Centerville. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, I got into the full gospel uh, movement through the Holy Ghost churches, but I come from a Baptist church. I come from a Methodist church. I come from this church. Well, I come from Centerville. What was that? That kind of, I come from a family of drinkers and gamblers and mean people and stuff like that. So, in other words, my, 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 my program in my head wasn't religiously anything yet because I had nothing. And so when I come around churches that taught the Bible, and I saw in the Bible all that God had to say about healing, I didn't have anything up there that said, well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, you study that out. I've been reading the Old Testament again lately. The Bible called the, called the Amorites and the, and the, and the Hittites and all the ites said, Israel, there's always going to be a thorn in your flesh and a pain in your side. And so that was people that persecuted. Covenant people gave them a hard time. And so Paul had a thorn in the flesh everywhere he went. The religious crowd turned on him. They were a thorn in his flesh continually. Amen. And somebody said, well, what about Job? Well, with Job, it says that, well, come on, Job was a messenger of Satan. Not from God. And then poor old Job, by the time his life was over, wasn't poor old Job anymore. Said he had twice as much in his latter end as he did when he started. So everything got turned around. He went through things. And then when Job got his words right about God, he said, oh, he said, I've been talking wrong about you. And then when that happened, God said, okay, now pray for your friends. They're in trouble. Amen. And so when you read the Bible, you come to find out that Jesus suffered for us when he went on the cross and he took our sicknesses, took our sins. But anyway, that's where the God will show you. But I want to show you another good book out of the bookstore called Bible Healing Study Course. Bible Healing Study Course. And these these books I've studied over the years many times and I've, I cut my teeth on these as a young Christian. And if you're a person that really wants to get serious about really learning as much as you can about the Bible, get books like this. But this right here, you can go through this for months and months and months. They have lessons there that they actually teach in the Bible school. And then they have questions and answers and things at the end of the things you can really study, get in deep. And it makes you want to open your Bible. Because it really does make a difference what, what I say or what anybody else says is what the Bible says. And so when somebody like me or anyone else tries to tell you the Bible says, you need to go back and open your Bible and see if the Bible says it. That's the whole thing, because there are going to be things you find in your Bible that, that you've, you've always, you've, you've always heard just the opposite of, and then you start reading your Bible and say, wait a minute. That's somebody tell me what they thought the Bible said, but here's what the Bible really does say. So anyway, these books will help you. They're great resources, but, uh, tonight what I want, what I want to do is bring you to a place to doubt your doubts 
and have faith in your faith. Amen. That's not a play on words. That's the absolute truth. You need to have doubts in your doubts. The devil tries to come and tell you and say, well, you're going to have this that's going to progress into this. You need to start saying, well, I doubt that. And God says, lay hands on sick, they shall recover. You say, I've got faith in that. Amen. The devil says, well, I'll tell you what, your baby's got this and it's going around. There's been a lot of sick babies lately. Your baby's got this. You know, you know what's going to happen to your baby. You know what you need to say? Well, I doubt that. I've had the elders of the church anoint my baby of all in the name of the Lord. They prayed the prayer of faith. And God said, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so I doubt that, Mr. Devil, but I've got faith in what God said. Amen. So we want to turn your doubts into faith. Doubt never receives from God. Faith in God's word always receives from God. Doubt never does. Faith always does. And so we want to kind of, kind of, if your mind's been not really understanding what the Bible says, we want to get your mind changed. And, you know, a verse we quote a lot in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, has anybody here ever inherited anything besides the two in the front row? they got some inheritances, but... <laughs> You know, when, when you get older and your, and your parents pass off, they had anything, you use it as a will is read. Well, the will tells their heart what they want to happen with their things. Well, the New Testament is called the will. The Testament's a will of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he left us. And so if we want to know what's in the will, we need to read the New Testament. Amen. And so then we know what he left us. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read parts of the will tonight, see what he left us. And uh, I, I want to start in John chapter 4. Amen. John chapter 4. And I want to look at verse 34. And as we turn there, I'm going to, I'm going to pray some words of faith over us. I've got, this, I've got things prayed for. But I just, want to, I just want to talk to the Lord for a minute. And uh, when I close my eyes, I'll go to my prayer closet. Sometimes, sometimes when I go to my prayer closet, I forget there's people listening. So if I talk to the Lord about anything there that uh, is personal or anything like that, it's because you got to listen to my prayer closet. But Father, I just want to thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know 2,000 years ago, you finalized this new covenant. And I found out about it in 1980. And Lord, I want to thank you for all the things you've taught me the last 39 years. All the people's lives I've seen changed by this word. All the people's bodies I've seen healed by this word and faith in you. And Lord, I pray tonight for all the people that are here in the service and the ones that will be listening on the podcast. Lord, I pray that anything that's hindering them from thinking right, to receive right from you, that their questions will be answered tonight. I want to thank you, Lord, that doubts will be diminished and faith will increase. And then people will be able to pray in faith and receive all that you have for them so they can live out a long, strong, healthy life, both they and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. And so the first thing I want to do is is to establish that Jesus Christ is the will of God, was the will of God, will always be the will of God. And Jesus, Jesus was God, came down to earth, living in, in an earth suit, in a physical body, to demonstrate the will of God. So I would look at a few verses, and we're going, we're going to look at that and see that very plain. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat, or my food, is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Jesus said... I came down to earth to do the will of God. And so, because we know that Jesus never sinned, he lived a perfect life, that all the things that Jesus did of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the will of God. That is, if you're a Christian that believes Jesus. If you're a Christian that believes the Bible, and nobody's talked to you how to believe in the Bible, Jesus said, I came down to earth to do the will of him that sent me. And so, if you want to know God's will for humanity... Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was God coming down to earth. 
in a physical body and making very plain God's will for mankind. How many believe that? Amen. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to look at a few of these verses where he made statements like that because I really want to get established in your thinking. Because, you know, if you've been taught things like, well, you can't never tell what God might do. The only time Jesus ever prayed, if it be thy will, was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was always with God. Before time ever was, Jesus was with God. And then, when it came time that God was ready to redeem mankind, he sent Jesus down to earth himself. Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life, to die for our sins. And part, part of the package to die for our sins was to take every punishment that mankind would ever have to have, which would be eternity in hell was the big thing. And to go down into hell, he had to be separated from God. And so he took sin and became sin, the Bible says. And so Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane, although he was God, he lived in an earth suit. His body hurt, but he got hurt. His mind was tormented because he had an earth mind, but he was God inside. And so at the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was there, it was the God part and the human part coming into conflict about this. And Jesus... Down here is a man looked up to heaven and he said, I'm willing to do this, but have you found any other way yet? Is there any way, is there any way to do this another way yet? And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He surrendered everything he had then all over again to God, but his flesh and the main part was his spirit knew. I am getting ready to be separated from God for the first time in my existence. I've always been with him. I'm getting ready to be separated from God. And then on the cross, when he quoted the 22nd Psalm, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the man part, the spirit part, all cried out together because he knew I'm getting ready to go down to the worst possible place any creation could ever go. I'm getting ready to go down into hell with all those demons and all that ugly stuff. And so that's the only time he ever said, if it be thy will. He never said, if it be thy will, concerning covenant promises. Amen. And I'll give you the challenge I was given years ago. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and study it out. Amen. So in other words, I guess I better get teach about prayer just a second. We call that the prayer of consecration. Sometimes there's things in life that you know in your heart God wants you to do and you really don't want to do them. Sometimes you have to go back and talk to somebody you really don't want to talk to. And you're thinking, man, you're praying for God. Oh, Lord, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Lord, don't let me have to face them. Don't let me have to come up against them. Lord, I don't want to do that. Might be a court case. Might be something really so, so thinking, man, you, you get diarrhea thinking about it. I mean, you know, your body gets, I'm serious. Your body gets hit with pressures of life and your heart can be strong for God, but your flesh gets hit and it starts malfunctioning. Adrenaline pumps, juices flow, you are messed up and you have a choice. You have a free will and it finally comes down to it. You say, Lord, there's no other way. If it be thy will, I'll do this, Jesus. I really don't want to, but thy will be done. Then you take a deep breath. And you walk into that situation. That's when you pray, if it be thy will, and you submit to the will of God to do that. But when you do what you know in your heart God wants you to do, you'll come out on top every time. Amen. You know why? Because you're stepping out in faith. When you face things you fear, you're stepping out in faith. And when you do that, the Spirit of God will be on you and with you, and God will help you to come through it. Amen? Amen. But you never run, you never run from it. But anyway, that's what Jesus prayed. If it be thy will. I look at John chapter 5, verse 19. And what I'm doing, I've set this up to help eradicate doubts about Jesus and divine healing. John chapter 5, verse 19. And I, I think this is pretty amazing what he said right here. Then answered Jesus, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now look at this. The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. What he seeth the Father do, 
For what things soever that he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And Jesus spent time in prayer as saw to the spiritual realm. And what he did concerning hurting people was the will of God in action. God wanted to help people. And when Jesus got in prayer, he saw himself doing what God wanted him to do, helping people. Uh, Brother Hagin always called that the spirit of seeing and knowing, and that's how I've ministered for about all of my ministry life. What I'm preaching right now, I woke up this morning and saw myself preaching it. I saw myself teaching this lesson this morning, so all I did then is got up and sat down. And because I've walked with Jesus so long and taught this for almost 40 years, I knew exactly what to do. So I only did sit down and opened up my Bible, and I wrote down what I saw myself preaching. And then now I'm just going back through what I saw the Father show me to preach tonight. And then what I saw you receive it tonight. I saw this this morning, so I preach it tonight. Sometimes I see things, you know, a week or two, three in advance. And sometimes when I'm on a schedule that uh, causes me to have to do things, I don't know what he wants to preach for the next month. And sometimes he gives them to me. I'll write them down, Sunday, 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 Sunday. But what am I doing? I'm seeing into the realm of the Spirit where God is. And that I'm seeing myself doing what he's got me doing. That's what Jesus said. He said, all I do is what I see the Father do. And so I want, I want to remind you what I'm doing. I'm looking towards divine healing. And so as we see Jesus in the healing ministry, Jesus and God could not be contrary one to another. That's what I tell you. See, sometimes people say, well, I know Jesus loves me. But I don't know where God stands in this. Well, Jesus is showing you where God stands in this. Amen. Amen. Does anybody, has anybody ever, you know, I know that to, for me, I've been reading the Bible, like I said, for almost 40 years. I've been studying it, reading it, studying it, preaching it, sitting under good Bible teachers teaching me, and things like that. And there's things in the Old Testament I don't understand. You know, I just, I told Mrs. Pastor, uh, after I went through what I went through last year, I'm starting my life all fresh again, spiritually renewing my mind. I've been going through the Bible, starting Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, reading through the Bible. I told her, I saw something the other day, man, to me it's just beyond comprehension. The Old Testament, before we got to where we are today, that people that wouldn't honor the Sabbath, God said stone them. I thought, man, that's pretty bad. People that, you know, don't want to just separate from anything on Saturday, they'd bad kill them. I thought, boy, I'm glad I didn't live then. <laughs> But things have turned. Things have changed. We're at, we're at a different time now like that. And so we have to recognize all that, a lot of stuff you saw way back in the Old Testament, those times there, Jesus said, this is a new one. This is new beginning. This is where we are now. And so praise God. And Jesus took our judgment. See, that's the part you've got to understand. Those people only had lambs and goats and calves and things like that. The priest would kill those and sprinkle blood out there. But if those people didn't get to the holy city at least once a year so the priest could kill a calf for them or something like that, then they went for a year in serious trouble. And they didn't have enough doves to make atonement and kill those birds and things like that. But Jesus, when he went to the cross, when he died on the cross, they pierced his side and the horrible things happened to Jesus. Jesus said, it is finished. And then it says the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. said, this is the end of the old covenant. This is a new one now. And the book of Hebrews tells us that the blood of Jesus, once and for all, atoned for our sins, made the total sacrifice for our sins. And we as believers have to have confidence in what Jesus did, that the punishment we deserve, or we'd probably get killed too if we cut out on church. We went out there to make a few bucks on the Sabbath. We'd probably die too. But praise God that we're in a New Testament. What am I saying that for you? I want your thinking to get changed, that you're not some ugly worm down here, that God's got the big ball bat, and you're trying to get healed, get healed of your family. You think, man, God's going to whop me. Is he going to help me? I don't know what he's going to do. Well, Jesus shows us what he's going to do. Jesus shows us what God's will is concerning you, and you have to realize we're not living under the old, we're living under the new. But you always got to know, too, there's a lot of principles and moral values and concepts in the old that still apply. God still wants you to live right. Amen. God still wants you to treat people right. And by the way, we have a whole lot more than Ten Commandments. They just had ten. 
we got a lot of things. But the thing is, they didn't have the ability on the inside to live them. We do. They didn't have the Spirit of God in them. We do. We got a new nature. We got the Spirit of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And so we have something they didn't have. We have a whole lot of things that's required of us, but it's easy for us to do them if we just do them because the greater one's in us. Amen? Amen. So anyway, in this verse right here, Jesus spent time in prayer and saw to his spiritual realm. And so what he did concerning helping hurting people was the will of God in action. Now look at verse 30. And it says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And so Jesus always demonstrated very plainly the will of God. He always demonstrated very plainly the Word of God. And you know, I'll tell you a little insight on a Bible pastor. I'm a Bible pastor. I do my best to be a pastor to people with a neutral mind out of it. I don't like to know all about your goofy lives. I'm telling you the absolute truth. That would hinder me when you come up here for prayer. You know, sometimes people, you hear about this, you hear about that. And I tell, my leaders know better, they don't tell me stuff. But other people that aren't, people that are spiritually dense, people that don't know better, they want to tell pastors all the gossip about the people in the church. I don't care how many times you've been pregnant by somebody you're not married to. That's between you and God and your kids and stuff. I don't care. I don't care how many times you've been in and out of jail. I don't care how many times you blew up this past week and had a bad week. I don't care about those things. I mean, I care because I love you. But that's going to hinder me if you come up for prayer and want me to pray about something that all I got in my head is all the bad things you did in your life and stuff like that. It's really hard to be in a neutral prayer zone. Amen. And so I seek the will of God and the will of God for Christians is to get delivered. The will of God for unsaved people is to get saved. The will of God for people, if they're not married and they're living with somebody, is to get married. I mean, all those, all those different things are Bible things, and so that's why I really don't know a lot about your personal lives or your business, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him that sent me, and the will of Him that sent me as a pastor is to pray for you, to teach you, to be an example to you. If you're in a mess, like the three storms Pastor Dave talked about, they come in three different areas. Number one, a storm can come because you caused it. And I know that uh, I've been in storms that I caused. And the only one to get me out of that storm is me to repent and get right with God. And then there's storms that just come because the devil's out there. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes things come your way because the devil just threw it at you. And I want to teach you how to have faith to get rid of him. And then, some, then sometimes storms come because other people that's in your realm of influence did something. You got caught up in it. You didn't do it, but the repercussions apply to you. Because you're there. And so it doesn't make any difference to me where the storms came from in your life. The crisis, I want to help you out of the crisis. And so if I teach you the Bible, how to be tender hard before Jesus, and then you recognize, I found out who the enemy enemy is. I saw her in the mirror this morning. Or him, whatever the case may be. Well, then you don't rebuke the devil anymore. You repent to Jesus and get things right. You see what I'm saying? And so that's that's where I am. That's where Jesus was. Jesus said, I'm here to do the will of him that sent me. And the will of him that sent me, as we're going to see, is helping people, helping people, helping people. And Jesus, at one point in time, he told the religious crowd, he said, I didn't come from the for the well people. He said, I come from the sick people. And at that point in time, he wasn't talking about physically sick, although that applies. He's talking about hurting people. Because all those righteous, uh, self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees, they all thought they had it made. They thought they were the best ones there ever were. Jesus said, okay, you guys, you got it all. You don't need me then. He said, that's why I'm going to see the sinners. That's why I'm going to see the, the publicans, the tax, tax people. He said, I'm going to go help the IRS agents. <laughs> Amen. And so that's what he said, the publicans. That's what Matthew was. 
He was, he was a tax agent. Jesus said, that's the ones I came to help. And so see, we've got to get this. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you're a person that's ever made a mistake, you're a person that's ever been hurting, had a crisis, then just guess what? You qualify. Jesus came for you. And for what we're seeing, for what Jesus is saying, he said he came for you because God's for you, because he said, I'm seeking the will of God, and the will of God is I want to help you. And that's God's will. And so if you ever want to know what the will of God is, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see what Jesus did. And you know something else, too, we've got to understand? The only people that Jesus ever came down on was religious people hurting other people. That's one thing you never want to do is use your religion to judge somebody or hurt somebody. Because if you do, you can start to be getting in serious trouble because then you're going to find out that God still does have a judgment side. But that's reserved for people that hurt his people. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen, amen. Look at John chapter 6, verse 38. Not Luke 6, 38, John 6, 38. By the way, Ryland, that was very good. We're proud of you. Let's give Ryland a hand. Where's he at? Where's Ryland at? There you are, Ryland. I see you. High five. Way to go, bro. (laughs) John 6, 38. Jesus said, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. I mean, how many times does he have to say it? He said, I came down from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. To do the will of him that sent me. You know, all the time you hear people say things like, if I only knew the will of God, if I only knew the will of God, if I only knew the will of God, study Jesus. He said, I came to do the will of God. Amen. If you want to know what the will of God is, study what Jesus said. Study what Jesus did. And then you apply it to your life because the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. And I think about Isaiah. Isaiah said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's us trying to get right with God our own way. Say, so, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll give a bunch, bunch of money into the building fund. That'll give me some points with God. Well, if that's your attitude, man, you just lost points. Hey, <laughs> bad, but if your attitude was, Jesus is the one that blessed me with the health to earn this. He's the one that gave me the job to earn it. He's the one that wakes me up every day. He gives me favor. That's the least I can do is help him. And I just want to help the work of God. Then you got, then you got points. Then not because you're seeking them, but because you had a right heart and right attitude. But the righteousness of people trying to get points is filthy rags, Isaiah said. But then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Jesus became our righteousness. And that's why we come to the Father in the name of Jesus. You know, I think about Michael back there. Michael Cabrera's a pretty good guy. How many know Michael Cabrera? He's a pretty good guy. But you know what? Just because I know Michael Cabrera, if I come to God and I said, you know what, Father? I know Michael. I'm going to pray to you now because I'm a friend of Michael's. Well, not a whole lot of points in that. Because Michael's righteousness is like my righteousness. It stinks. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, we're the righteous of God in Christ. And so I come to the Father in the name of Jesus. I come to him and say, you know what, Lord? I just really don't feel very worthy. I don't feel very spiritual. Lord, I just really, you know, I kind of had a bad week. I kind of unloaded on Blondie this week. <laughs> Which is out of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> but no. But when I come and say, Lord, I know... That you said, if I confess my sins, you're faithful just to forgive my sins because of the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, I'm coming to you now on behalf of this congregation in the name of Jesus. Well, I'm not coming to the name of Bernie then, or the name of Pastor Samples. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And because I'm coming in the name of Jesus, I'm in the will of God. And when I'm in the will of God, praying according to the will of God, then I get answers. You said I'm saying. And so we have to recognize that we, in the New Covenant, have a right to come in the name of Jesus. And then 
Pastor Dave mentioned a verse this morning that was so good. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also if you believe in me. And so when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we just have to see what Jesus did. And we walk with the Father, and what we do, Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, he said, Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. He said, do all in the name of Jesus. And so, in trying to help believers, you got to get this in your heart and in your thinking. Of your own self, you're worth nothing. But we don't come to Him in our own self, we come to Him in the name of Jesus. And then God looks down at us as sons and daughters of God because of what took place inside of us, and because of that, we are worthy. Because the worthy one lives in us. We are righteous. Because the righteous one lives in us. And we get our thinking right, and we live that way, we pray that way, we operate that way, guess what? Your feelings can just be buried. You know, Colossians chapter 3 says that we're dead. Our life is hid with Christ in God. And you know, I was thinking a while ago, you know, about, I've been doing this for a few years. I was thinking uh, back, I was in Bible school back in, probably some of you might not have been born yet, back in 1983, 1984. I was in Bible school then since I've been in California. Went three more years out here, Dr. Barclay's Bible school. But I was thinking back then, I had a, had a Bible school teacher out of El Paso, Texas, and a teacher in prayer. He said this. He said, prayer needs to be based upon the Word of God and your answers because you prayed the Word of God. He said, if you've got to have a feeling to know your prayers are answered, I'll get you a block of ice and you can sit on it. Then when the goosebumps pop up, you can say, woo, God's here. And so, so many Christians, because they one time had a prayer experience where the hair stood up on their neck and the goosebumps came, then they think, that's the only time I know my prayers are answered because I get a feeling. Well, the greatest faith there is in prayer is when you pray the Word of God and you have no feeling but in your heart, you know, the Word of God says this. I've prayed this, and God's reward doesn't return void. That's the, great, that's the greatest prayer life there is. And that's what we want to look at concerning healing tonight, is going along those lines there of what did Jesus say about things? What does the Word of God say? And then any stinking thinking that we have, we get rid of the stinking thinking. Like Dr. Summerall used to say, throw it in the trash can where it belongs. And so Jesus said in verse 38, he said that he come to do the will of God, the one that sent him. And so when I was a young believer, I've said this, I want to say it again. I studied divine healing continually in the Bible, books on healing. Back then we still had the eight, eight tracks and the cassette tapes, uh, books on healing, cassette tapes. And I was consumed with a passion to learn all I could to help sick people because when I got born again, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I found out that Jesus was the healer. I wanted to get everybody healed that I could. And so I wanted to learn all I could about divine healing. Because I saw flaky people didn't really understood it. And they did more damage than good. So I wanted to learn from the Bible how to get people healed. So I studied all I could. And I heard a preacher say one day. And I said this today a couple times. But I want to say it again because I want to issue you the challenge. He said, I challenge you to study the four Gospels. If I'd even one time that Jesus said, no, it's not my will to heal you to anyone seeking healing. And I'll never forget that when I heard that, I'd already picked up a little bit of people saying things. Well, you know, it's not always the will of God. Well, you can't tell what he might do, et cetera, et cetera. So I heard that. At first, that kind of slapped me sideways. And so I spent the last probably 38 years studied those Gospels on that and the Word of God on that. And you know what? I've still not find one time that Jesus said, Suffer, my child, for my glory. He never said that. Jesus never said, Well, you need to stay sick for a while so you can grow. Jesus never said, Jesus never said, You're not worthy, so you need to stay sick. He never said that. And you study the Gospels, you're going to find that out. So anyway... That's, 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 that's the direction I'm coming from tonight, is that we need to see what Jesus had to say. And so, uh, I took the challenge. I studied all these years. And by experience and knowledge of the Bible, I've proven in my ministry, in my life, it's the will of God. Now I'm going to tell you something here. 
That's a key. It's the will of God for all to receive healing that will receive it. There's a difference. Now, you're, you're all Bible-believing Christian-type people, right? You believe the Bible. How many believe, and this is not a set-up question. I don't, I don't set people up. I don't some preachers do that. Why I hate it when I get burnt like that. They say something bad, and I never raise my hand anymore. A preacher says, how many know this? How many, how many? I think, there's a setup of this somewhere. I'm going to raise my head and get embarrassed. So I don't do that anymore, I do, but I don't embarrass people. But how many do believe that the Bible teaches it's the will of God for everybody to be saved? Amen. Amen. That's not a setup. It's the will of God. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But how many also know more people don't get saved than do get saved? You know that for sure. That's, that's a fact. You know, Jesus even made a statement about it. He said, broads the way. That leads to destruction. Many there be that are on that road. And they said, narrows the way that leads to life. And few there be that find us. Jesus told you, there's a whole lot more people reject it than receive it. He told us that. Okay, now listen. Now this is going to help your thinking. If it's the will of God for everybody to be saved that will receive it, and he said, preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth, as baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not, well, believeth not means doubts it, rejects it. He that rejects it says they'll be damned. And so he says, the ones that believe it, get it. The ones that doubt it, don't. Well, it's the same thing, divine healing. One of the biggest enemies of receiving... Hi, Portia. Mom's pointing at you. Everybody's looking, so we've got to say hi. That's our, that, that, that's our lovely daughter-in-law. Okay. Anyway, Bob wanted to embarrass her, so that's okay. Stay back there. They won't see you blushing. <laughs> Bob, are we happy to help? Okay, I don't want to lose out the point about it. I want you to get this. But this, this would have too many times people get distracted and miss the turning point to get help. Okay. And so, and so, Jesus wants everybody saved, but everybody ever attends a church service or gets witnessed to by somebody telling them about Jesus for the sins. They reject the message. And so people fail to receive healing from God. Didn't say it's not God's will to heal. Fail to receive healing from God. Number one, because of ignorance. They don't know. They've never been taught. At Hosea, Hosea 4, 6, God said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Romans ten seventeen says what? Faith cometh by hearing. By knowledge of the Word of God is how faith comes. And so for the area of salvation, healing, tithing, family relationships, whatever area of life it is, when you find out knowledge of the Word of God for that area, then you have faith for that area to receive. And so ignorance is one of the number one reasons people fail to receive healing from God. And then wrong teaching then about the Bible misunderstanding about the Word of God. That's why 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul said, study to show, show yourself approved unto God, a work that is not to be ashamed, rightly interpreting the Word of Truth. And so he wouldn't say to study, to rightly interpret, if what possible, to wrongly interpret. So if you're taught wrong, you think wrong. And if you think wrong, you believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you pray wrong. If you pray wrong, you receive wrong. Think about the process. And so when your mind is taught and renewed by the Word of God, then you think right. And if you think right, then you believe right. And if you believe right, you pray right. And if you pray right, then you receive what God has. And so that's, that, that's the difference between doubt and unbelief is what you hear from the Word of God. And so as we look at some things tonight, we want to get your thinking turned around. And so we want you to know how to receive healing. It's always there. We want to know how to receive it. One more place I want to look at in John, chapter 14, verse 7 through 11, I want to look at. Chapter 14, verse 7 through 11. And this is probably a passage that if you ever went to Sunday school, you probably heard it taught. And, uh, you know, if you've been a Christian very long, I know you've read John 14 because John 14 is just a, it's a, it's a chapter of the Holy Spirit really ministers to new believers especially. 
that starts off, you know, it's, it's really one well, we use at funerals a lot too because it helps comfort people. But anyway, verse 7, verse 7 says this. Jesus said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And look at this. Henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Jesus said, I'm God, come down to earth, live in a physical body. And said, said, now that you've seen me, you've seen God. Philip said to him, Lord, show us a father and it will satisfy us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth, the Father that lives in me, he doeth the works. Jesus said, if you want to know what God does, watch me. He said, this is not just me. He said, this is God in me healing these people. This is God in me saying these things. This is God in me doing the things that's going on. He said, believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And so what he's saying is that every sick person that Jesus healed, he said, that was God healed them. Every dead person that God raised, he said, that was God raised them. Every demon-possessed person got delivered, he said, that's God delivered them. That's what Jesus is saying. And so he said, believe me for the very work's sake. And so if you believe what Jesus said, that as you read the Gospels, there should be no doubt where God stands concerning healing sick people. Amen? He made, he played, he made a pretty good point in all these verses here. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Now doesn't this make your thinker start thinking? To consider what Jesus said? And so when Jesus said that, I, 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 set, I took so long setting that up because I want to look at one day in the life of Jesus. Just one day out of nearly three and a half years of ministry, just one day of Jesus and we looked at multiple verses where Jesus said, I'm only saying what I heard God say to do. I'm only doing what God showed me he wanted me to do. And he said, actually, we got down that last one. He said, actually, he said, you're not just seeing me, you're seeing God. And then he said, the things you're seeing me do, he said, it was God in me doing them. And then Jesus told those people, because they were seeing his earth suit, and a lot of them still knew he was the carpenter's son, they thought. And so he said, hey, if you don't believe me, if you still think I'm just the carpenter's son, then believe the works. And so Matthew chapter 8, this is one of my favorite uh, gospel healing chapters. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, now I want you to watch these words. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. And so Jesus, listen to what he said. My son, my child, thou art suffering for the glory of God. My son, because of the sins of your fathers. My son, you're a scoundrel. I'm not going to heal you. You're not worthy. No, this man come, he was a hurting man, he was a leper. And he, like lots of Christians today, there's Christians today that haven't been taught like you're taught. And so they don't know. And so this man did not know. He had a pure heart, had a sincere heart. And said, Jesus, I know if you will, you could heal me. I know you will, if you will. And so Jesus had no religious speeches put on the man. What did Jesus say? He put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. What did he say God said? He said, God said through Jesus that Jesus is God in action. Jesus said, all I'm saying is what God said to say. As in other words, this man said, if you will, you can heal me. And so God said, I will. All those verses we saw that Jesus said, I only say what he said to say. I only do what he said to do. This man came to Jesus, said, if you will. Jesus didn't say, well, let me stop. And t- i got to ask God. God, 
You want to heal this rat? God, how many, how, how many women did he have sex with last week? God, does this man tithe? There's a sick man came, and God's number one priority, get him healed. Amen. And I, I, can, I, can I tell you something? That if you're religious-minded, you'll reject what I'm going to say. But if you're God-inside-minded, you'll immediately know what I'm saying is right. The easiest people in the world to get healed are sinners. You want me to tell you why? They don't know God, and God wants to demonstrate to them how good he is for them and that he's on their side. I have always, 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 always got sinners and ignorant Christians healed easier than anybody else in the whole world. By ignorant Christians, I mean Christians that are sincere, but this man was ignorant. This man said, Jesus, I don't know. He said, I know that I've heard that you've healed people everywhere you went. He said, I don't know if I qualify or not, Jesus. He said, Jesus, I know if you will. Jesus just reached out. And what did he do? Did you ever hear him laying on the hands? He touched him laying on the hands. Remember John fourteen twelve, the works that I usually do also? Mark chapter 16, verse 17, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. What did Jesus do? He didn't just say some nice little prayer. He laid hands on him. That tells you right there, one of the ways to get healing to people is to lay it on the hands. Jesus told us to do it. And Jesus never told us to do anything he didn't do. Did you catch the hand part, anybody? He reached out and touched him. And so we, as believers, have to know. And what I've done a lot of times in public, if I'm in public and running somebody to Walmart or someplace, a waitress or somebody serving me in a restaurant, and I have to get the opportunity to pray for them, they say they're sick or something like that, I always say, can I hold your hand? Well, when I do that, I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm in contact with them. And why is that? Because the Holy Ghost is in me. And when the Holy Ghost in me comes into contact with sick people, then his anointing comes through my hand, comes into their body to heal them. But see, that's not, that's not something that is a, something we're making up. I'm teaching you the Bible tonight. That's in the Bible. Jesus reached out and touched him. Amen. And then immediately he got ten times worse. No, immediately what? His leprosy was cleansed. And so, and so we've established that it was really God revealed his will to human race through the life of Jesus. And so this is an example. God himself came down to earth through Jesus that healed. Did you ever think about 1 John 4, 4? I've quoted it a half a dozen times tonight. 1 John 4, 4, John said, Ye are of God, little children, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who's in you? Jesus. God. The Holy Spirit. They're in you. And so you stop to think about this. And... Like I said, if you're religiously trained in your mind, you don't understand this. But if you've got Jesus in your heart, you're totally open to him. You recognize it's God in you. And so as Jesus said, it's the Father in me. He doeth the works. I know that when I pray for people, it's not just me. It's the Father in me. He doeth the works because greater is in me than he that's in the world. And I know in the prayer line up here, whether it's a little kid that got a boo-boo, well, those are easy to pray for. I love to pray for those little boo-boos. Pastor, pray for me. I got a boo-boo. I say, well, Jesus, hear the boo-boo. The very next person could be a man or a woman comes up here and says, Pastor, I got the results back to that test. And they say, I've got stage four, such and such like that. Well, you know what? The same greater one that healed the boo-boo is the same greater one that heals the stage four. I don't, I don't have... I don't have within myself of the birdie part of me anything to heal a boo-boo. That all I can do is kiss and put a band-aid on it. But I can pray for it and Jesus will heal it. And so because my confidence is in Jesus for the boo-boo, my confidence is in Jesus for the cancer or for whatever it is. Because I know it's the Father in me. He doeth the works. Hey, Mac, can you see what I'm saying? And you know, it's not just for me. This is for you. I want to get this into you. 
I want you to doubt your doubts and have faith in your faith. Have your faith is in what Jesus said and what Jesus did, that your faith is in the right direction. You know, there's no such thing as a faith healer. That's TV shows and goofy, goofy secular news people. They're no faith healers. Every believer that believes in Jesus, that reads their Bible, has faith for people to get healed because it doesn't come from some special thing on you. It's because the special one lives in you is Jesus. Amen? And so just, you know, you need to get rid of that notion of how secular, goofy people try to turn things around. There's no faith healers. Jesus is the healer. He lives in every believer. And when the believer has faith in Jesus, then if you want to say faith healer, you can say that, but he's the faith healer. All you're doing is cooperating with him. That help anybody? Yeah, somebody can clap. <clears throat> Amen. And so this man then, immediately he was cleansed. And I want you to get over here then uh, to the next little part here. And uh, we get down to verse 5. And I'm not going to read all the verses, but just the parts I want you to see. And so Jesus was entered to Capernaum. There came to him a centurion. That was a Roman soldier had had a hundred soldiers under him, the Roman officer. He beseeched him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home. King James says, sick of the palsy. But if you got the New Living Translation or something, it says the man was paralyzed, grievously tormented. And so get this. We are demonstrating, I want to, as I read this, I want to keep on emphasizing this, because here's the angle we're coming from tonight. Jesus said over and over, he said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of God. He said, all I'm doing is what I see God do. All I'm saying is what I heard him say. All I'm doing is what God sent me to do. And so here's a man, he didn't ask for anything. All he did said, Jesus, he said, my servant, and obviously the guy wasn't just a servant, he's his friend, said, my friend is paralyzed. He said he's grievously tormented. And you know, if you've ever seen anybody have a stroke or anything, you know how horrible that is. Somebody is paralyzed and their mouth won't work to try to talk to you and you feel so bad their words aren't coming out right and their eyes have tears in them they want to communicate but they can't and their sometimes their arms won't move parts won't move things won't work on the inside they're intact their spirit's good and their mind's good except they're grievously tormented because things won't work and so this man said my servant is grievously tormented and so then Jesus did not say, oh boy, that's a terrible thing. I know about that guy. That guy, he deserves it. Or you know what? He suffered this for my glory. For the glory of God, he's tormented. Well, John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Torment comes from the thief. He said, I came they might have life and that more abundantly. And so Jesus immediately responded and said, I will come and heal him. And I circled in my Bible the I will. Why is that? Why did I circle the I will? Because we're talking about knowing the will of God. So if Jesus says, all I'm saying is what God said, as Jesus says, I will, then God said, I will. And so my first thought when I pray for somebody, whether it's in church or somebody over the telephone, or somebody wants me to agree with them in prayer for a loved one who lives somewhere else in the country or the world, immediately I think, God will. That's my first thought always. God will. God will heal them. But then I always know, too, that on their end, there's a receiving part that has to take place, too. And so I, I counsel people many times. They want to pray for somebody that's somewhere else. I said, make sure you tell them what the Bible says. Jesus loves them. He wants them healed. And, you know, sometimes if somebody's in a very obvious storm they brought on themselves, tell them that God's going to heal them, but they're going to have to get things right. They're going to have to change because Jesus did tell a couple stories I know in the Gospels. Also, Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come on you. He said, I'm going to heal you to get right. Amen. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Amen. Are you, are you seeing anything here? And so he said, I will come and heal him. So you get down to verse 13 then. And says, And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. 
and his servant was healed in the self-same hour. He said, as thou hast believed. So you know what that tells me? You've got to have some faith in this somewhere on your part too. You've got to have some faith activated. Jesus said, as you have believed. And so I want to say this again, because you are believers sitting in a church like this that teaches itself strongly, you somewhere along the way have to hook up some kind of faith in it. And the first thing you've got to do is learn the language of silence. If you can't talk in line with the Word of God, keep your mouth shut and say nothing. I know that sometimes when you're facing serious things, if you're in a hospital, if you're seeing somebody you love in the hospital, they got the, they got all the bleep, bleep, bleep of machines everywhere, bleep, 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 and you got people running in all the time doing all kinds of stuff. Man, I tell you what, it is hard. It is hard to have faith in God in that atmosphere, but He's in your heart. And so that's the time you listen to things going on, you keep your mouth shut, except say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you're in here. Thank you, Jesus, you're working. Thank you, Jesus, you're doing it. If that's all you can say, that's great faith. Amen. Jesus said, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And so the only way you can express what you believe is with your mouth. And if your mouth says, I doubt they're going to make it, you need to doubt your doubts. You need to say, in the name of Jesus, they're going to make it. Amen. Well, I'm going to look at a couple more things here. Then we'll close it off. But what I wanted to do was just take a thumbnail sketch of the life of Jesus to get a picture of the will of God concerning sickness and disease. And so anyway, look at the next verse. This is just a little segment of the life of Jesus in one day. And when Jesus would come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid as sick of a fever, thought, oh, that poor dear. Oh, it's going around. Everybody's got it. Don't you know everybody's got it? Oh, everybody's got it. Oh, that stomach thing. You know what? Most of the church has got it. Oh, I hope we have people come Sunday because they most, most all, they all got it. Well, you know what? Especially the babies. The babies are all getting it. Oh, everybody's getting it. Jesus saw a woman with fever. What did he do? Laying on her hands. He touched her hand. Laying on her hands. Do you see how much Jesus operated laying on her hands? He touched her hand and the fever left her. And then she arose as she ministered. She served them. And so Jesus, when he saw sickness, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, oh, I do what the Father would do. So in other words, God, walking around through Jesus, laid hands on sick people and didn't put up with them, got them healed. And so we as believers, because he lives in us, we've got to be willing to touch people. And you know, sometimes if you're around people in your family and they don't believe what you believe, you give them a hug. Just whisper, thank you, Jesus, for anointing going into them. Thank you, Jesus. As I shake the head, there's anointing going and things happen. Amen. Anyway, he touched her and the fever left. And then when the evening was come, still the same day, they brought to him many that possessed with devils or demons. He cast out the spirits with his word and he healed a few of them. He healed who? Do you think of that crowd there might have been some adulterers? You think there might have been some thugs maybe in that crowd or some mean people? You think there might have been some people in that crowd that cussed a lot? Or you think just all perfect people deserved anything? Well, you got a crowd like that. There might have been some people there that didn't deserve much. It says he healed the ones that came to him. He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, was spoken by Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's Isaiah 53, 4. Took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And so, as I prayed, I believe tonight some of your thinking was changed somewhat. Some of it was turned to see that you don't have to doubt the will of God for healing. just have to change your thinking to receive it. And then for people that you love, that you hold dear, if they have a problem because of being religiously taught, instead of New Testament taught, you need to pray for them and feed them bite-sized nuggets of what they can handle to be able to receive divine healing from God. Jesus does not want you to die before your time. Jesus does not want you to go through life crippled and sick. He wants you healed. And so your only part is get your mind renewed to what the Bible says about it. Talk in line with the Bible. 
trained life the Bible, I can promise you, you'll enjoy a much higher quality of life if you'll think like Jesus thinks. Amen. He wants you healed. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 